At age 25, Austin Hatch has already seen more tragedy in his life than most of us do in a lifetime. At age 8, he and his pilot father survived a small aircraft crash that took the lives of his mom, brother, and sister. At age 16, the promising young basketball star was involved in another plane crash that took the life of his father, who was piloting that plane too, and his stepmother. Austin endured months and months of rehab to be able to finally live his dream of playing basketball for the University of Michigan. Austin could have fallen into a deep depression and spurned God. Instead, he talks of having just two bad days in his life and is an advocate for God. His incredible story is next. This is Mitch Wilburn, preaching minister at the Park Church of Christ, proud sponsor of Suit Up. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to join us for worship at the park. We are a Bible-based church that loves the Lord and loves people. We have one service on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and that's followed by classes for everyone from newborn to 100 years of age. The park sits on a rather large lot near the corner of Garnett and the Creek Turnpike. Wednesday night, we meet at 7 p.m. Our youth have their own building with multiple men and women leading them, and our kids age 1 to 5th grade have their own educational wing that even has its own working carousel and ice cream parlor. And I love both. Kevin, the host of this podcast, is in charge of our sports ministry that goes on all year round with basketball, volleyball, softball, great activities. So come see us at the park on the corner of Garnet and the Creek Turnpike, or check us Austin, out on the web I had at heard parkplaza.org. A few years ago, and obviously it, it really resonated with me. I'm reading this book by Jimmy Dykes, uh, ESPN announcer, called uh, Jimmy Dykes, The Film Doesn't Lie. And, yep. and he, tell, he retells your story in the book. And as soon as I read that, I thought, oh, my word, I need to call Austin and get hold of Austin and see if he'll be a part of this podcast because it's a perfect fit uh, for the podcast. After reading, uh, rereading the story, I actually got a little bit more information than I had before. But I want to start with growing up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and having this love of basketball because you were you were a pretty good player uh, in high school, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But talk about those early years before the first plane crash, if you can remember, you know, before age eight, you know, where did the love of basketball come from? Yeah. Well, basketball has always been, you know, it was my first love. You know, there's a, there's a picture of me. Um, I think I was about a year and a half holding a basketball on my lap with the biggest smile on my face. And um, yeah, yeah, ever, ever since I was young, you know, I just love the game. You know, I made my first basket, you know, when I was two years old. I was out in the driveway practicing all the time on the, you know, the Nerf hoop when the hoop was low, really low at like, you know, five or six feet. I was as high as I could shoot the ball when I was really small. But, yeah, I just loved the game. I always loved it from an early age and grew up, you know, playing. As I got older, I played played my dad in one-on-one pretty much every night. He was a great athlete in high school and was, you know, first team off state and stuff. And um, I actually played college football, but he – was a really good basketball player as well. And, um, yeah, so I, I've always loved it. And, you know, went to camps, started going to camps as soon as I could and just loved the game, loved, loved, the, loved the, 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 the brotherhood, the camaraderie. Um, and, you know, yeah, just, I mean, just everything about it. Um, and I, lo- I love the adversity, too, because it's like that's how you grow. That's how you get better. You don't get better. You know, by having everything go right, you get better by having some things go wrong and by being forced to adapt and change and find ways to overcome obstacles. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I just always always loved the game and really, really blessed to have had the opportunity to play it. So were there other sports that you played growing up as well and you just, you just kind of ended up gravitating more towards basketball or did you play football and baseball in, in uh, high school as well? Um, so I played baseball when I was really young, um, but then when I got, I got as I got older, it was it was you know it, it wasn't fast enough for me. I needed to be running all the time, right? <laughs> so I got so I started playing more more basketball, and then I, play, I played soccer as well. Um, you know, my school was is a big soccer. My school I went to in Fort Wayne, Indiana, was a big big soccer school, um, and so I grew. Up, I played that. I actually played on the soccer team in high school, and was and was pretty good. Um, I mean, not, 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 I mean, I played it more to stay in shape, and it kind of cross training more than the fact. More than, like I, I never wanted to play college soccer. I think it was always college basketball. So, yeah, so I played played basketball, soccer. Um, I played I played golf too. I still play to this day. It's a great game. I'm gonna play it forever, or at least as long as I can. Um, and yeah, so it's uh, you know sports are sports are amazing, and just just the more importantly, yeah, they're obviously very fun. Mm-hmm. And winning championships and the camaraderie is all awesome and everything, but you know it's more more for me. It was more about the lessons learned from it, and obviously, you know, maybe that became more real to me because of what I went through. But I quickly learned that, you know, so I had I had this goal of getting getting the Mich- of playing at Michigan, right? And I accomplished the goal of of getting the opportunity to play. And obviously, I I had the the ultimate goal was to be a great player there and have a great career and win championships and stuff, but. So I, I worked really hard to make that goal a reality, and when the accident, the second accident happened, um, you know, I just I, I realized, okay, now I was worrying to be the best basketball player that I could be before this accident. Now that I can't really play anymore, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the the best recovery that's ever been made, you know, from a level seven traumatic brain injury that's ever been made by anyone. So. Yeah, it's the same. It's, it, it's just, for me, the most important thing I learned from sports was the mentality, right? The mindset, the mm-hmm. the competitiveness, being able to compete against yourself. So, Austin, what was um, your church life like uh, in those early years before that first crash? Yeah, so I was. I mean, before the first crash, I mean, the crash happened when I was eight years old. I was about to turn nine, obviously, or tragically. So I was, you know, I was really young. Um, but you know, I was baptized Catholic and. You know, raised, you know, going to church every Sunday and, you know, you know, being, you know, praying with my parents before bed every night and things like that. So faith has always been a very important part of my life. And, um, but then after the, the, after the first accident, you know, my mom and siblings tragically passed away. Um, my dad, when my dad was remarried, um, my second mom went to more of a non-denominational church and, um, and so that's where we, that's where we went. Um, and we, we loved that. And, um, you know, I learned learned a lot more, you know, about the word and learn about, you know, really what it means, you know, back what actually being a Christian means. But I was young, so I mean, I, I don't know. My 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 faith is is has grown, you know, in the last in the last you know several years since the second accident, just because I've you know my mind has matured and I've realized that you know I just you know my faith has been has always been there. My family tragically has passed away, but. You know, you know, I believe that all things do work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And obviously, you know, maybe there's no good that came out of there's not there's nothing good about losing my family, but I think there is good that has come out of it. We found ways to, you know, turn the negative into a positive and you know, it says in James James one one uh, twelve, I believe it says, 
you know, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so, it's, you know, it's like for me, like, that's it right there. If you pers- it doesn't say, you know, if you persevere under trial, you know, things might work out for you. You know, there's a chance that things could go your way. That you're going to be blessed. And so, I mean, what more can you ask for? So, And you bring up a good point about having to make a decision one way or the other in a lot of these podcasts that I've had with other uh, people. No one has gone through what you've gone through. They've had some trials. They've had some loss. And there, there comes a time in that healing process where you either get closer to God and you make a commitment generally that way, or you fall away and you fall into a deep depression and things just go horribly bad. Did something change, especially after the second accident? Yeah, for, as, far, as far as after the second crash or after the yeah. first one? No, well, and we can go back to the first one, but I'm thinking at age nine, I don't know that you had a whole lot of spiritual no. yeah, okay. you know, substance to... to make a decision about, you know, what is God doing to me? Why did God do this to me? Now, maybe as you got older into age, you know, 11 and 12 and 13, and or, you know what I mean? But then after the second yeah. one, for sure, now all of a sudden, yeah. you know, everyone's gone. And, and, and I'm sure there were some questions to God as to why he allowed this to happen. Yeah, well, well two answers to your question. So after, after the first accident, I had my dad there. And my dad and I were, were, we were really close before the accident, but after, you know, we were best friends, right? Like, he was like a brother to me almost. He was obviously my dad, but he was also like a brother. Best friend. Like, he was everything to me, right? And um, so I leaned on him, and we pushed each other, and we helped each other overcome it. And then after the second one, I didn't have him, tragic. Obviously, I had so many people in my extended family and friends in the Fort Wayne, Indiana community, you know, really wrapping their arms around me and helping me overcome it. But, you know, I realized that, you know, like, you don't always have to understand why. Sometimes, like, I think people expect there to be a, um, I mean, yeah, you know what, there is, a, there is a reason for everything, but we don't, like, just because we don't understand, just because it doesn't, like, I feel, I feel like a lot of the time, you know, we, we're, we're tempted to be faithful, tempted to be, you know, devout, whatever adjective you want to use when things are good, but just because things get tough, that doesn't mean God is bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and just because things get tough, just because we don't understand that, you know, like I said, that doesn't mean that we don't serve a great God. And that doesn't mean that we're not blessed. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be grateful for the life that we have. And, you know, I, I chose to focus on the positives in my life. I chose to focus on the things that I was you know, so blessed to have, and not not only what I lost, because it's 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 very easy to when when bad things happen, it's very easy to you know only pay attention to those things and forget all the other good things that happen in your life, right? But you know, if if we only paid attention to the bad things, everyone would be miserable. Everyone's battling something, and you know, maybe my 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 adversary was a little more serious, a little more tragic, traumatic, what have you, but. You know, you can't can't focus on that. I mean, obviously, it's not to diminish it, not to diminish the significance of it, but just just choose to focus on the positives. It makes for a much happier life. It makes for a much enjoyable life. It makes us more enjoyable to be around. And you know, it's it's been it's been proven that it's been it's been proven that it's been it's been it's been proven it's been proven that sorry, the dogs just running out running out on the road here. <laughs> no problem. Uh, it's okay. Hey, what? Hey, hey, hey. Well, nope. 
Um, sorry about that. It's okay. It's, you know, it's, you know, you know, it's improving that. You know, you know, positive people. This is a bit of a change. But positive people are more successful. However, you choose to define it, they're more happier to be around. They live longer. I would guess they're more likely to, you know, stay married. I would guess. I don't know that, but right. And so, and so, I just think that you know, just choose to look at the glasses half full because the same situation, the, the the same glass is half full and half or half empty, depending on just depends on what you choose to focus on. So, yeah, you know, for me, obviously, it was extremely tragic and, tra- and traumatic what I lost and everything, and it's almost you know a lot of people can't imagine you know losing their losing their family like I do. You know, which is which is I'm I'm glad the mo- that the vast majority of people don't have to imagine themselves in that situation. But, you know, I just chose to, you know, look at the situation as, okay, this happened. This is not ideal. Obviously, this is tough. It's tragic. It's terrible. It shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. So I'm going to find a way to, you know, still thrive in the midst of this. So, Austin, as I hear you talk about this, and I, I think, man, I wonder how many times a week Austin has to relive those two plane crashes because obviously that's one of the reasons why you and I are talking right now is because you suffered through that and now you've come out on the other end. And I love what you sent to me that your favorite verse or one of them is in Matthew 7. It's written about the house built on the rock and the house built on the sands. And part of that scripture talks about the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon that upon that house. Well, obviously that's you. You're the house. The tragedy is the wind and the beating that came. I can only imagine it's taken a long time and all the times that you've had to repeat this story to be able to say that without bursting into tears. Yeah, well, you know, it's so in a way, um, after, so after the first accident, I was I was really young. Um, you know, a little bit pretty, I mean, immature. I mean, obviously, most eight-year-olds are immature, right? And I almost didn't really have, and I didn't really, my mind hadn't developed enough to really understand the severity of what I lost. Obviously, I knew what I lost, but, like, it didn't really hit me as much because I was eight, right? And, um, and or nine. I just tried, I was about to turn nine. And, obviously, I'm not saying it didn't make a big impact on me, but I almost couldn't really understand because it's like, you know, my mind was just so 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 underdeveloped at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And I had my dad there, and we leaned on each other and just kept moving forward, kept living. Um, and then after the the second one happened, I was injured so badly that I almost for the you know the several years I was on the road to recovery. And in fact, I'm still on the road to recovery. Just I'm not working to get back to basketball. I'm just trying to you know get in better shape. We all are, right? But, right. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, but like I was so busy learning to walk and learning how to run, learning how to shoot a basketball again, learning how to count, learning how to do math, learning how to, like, basically relearning how to live life. I always didn't have time to to dwell on, you know, the fact that, you know, I didn't have time to relive those stories. Obviously, I had thoughts of that. And to be honest with you, I don't remember the second accident because of my I had a really bad head injury. So brain injuries are, are measured on a scale of one to seven, seven being the worst. They say uh, one, two, and three, there's a pretty good chance you'll get back to normal life. Four, five, six, and seven, um, you're lucky to survive, 
and let alone even luckier to get back to living a remotely normal life. My my brain injury, a level seven, it was the worst level seven they've ever seen that survived the night. Wow. The first night, let alone the second, third, fourth, fifth, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I just look at that, and it's like, man. So statistically speaking, like, and if you look at it from, like, a logical standpoint, I shouldn't be alive. I should be dead. I mean, I, I, but obviously I'm not saying that I want to be. I'm just saying if you look at it from, like, the odds of me being here, I shouldn't be alive. So the, the, um, a really smart uh, statistician at MIT um, who studies, you know, he actually studies aircraft crashes and, you know, the odds of surviving and how everything that happens as a result. And he calculated that the odds of surviving a plane crash with at least one fatality, this is based on history, based on past crashes and past people that survived those, the odds of surviving that is one in 3.4 million. That's surviving one. That's pretty slim, right? Right. I survived two of those, I survived two of those though, and the odds of that, are one in eleven quadrillion five hundred sixty trillion. That's about two hundred thousand times the world population. That number on the on the denominator. So it's like if you look at that, it's like, yeah, you know, I can focus on the fact that you know life is tough. All this stuff happened to me. I didn't deserve it. Why me? But it's like, man, now I look at that and it's like, I'm, I'm like, why not me? It obviously happened. I don't want to say it was in it was in God's plan for my family to die and for me to almost be killed as well. I don't think that was in the plan, but, you know, he gives us free will, and bad things happen to good people, and it is what it is. But, I mean, yeah, so I, I, don't, really, I don't really relive I don't relive the events very much because it's like, yeah, not that I've pushed them aside in my memory, but, you know, I just, I just have so much to be grateful for. It's like, I mean, even if I think about those, it's like, okay, that's obviously, it's obviously sad, and it's tough to think about, but it's like, man, I mean... The way I, and I tell this to people actually fairly often when they ask about it, ask about, you know, how I'm feeling and if I miss my, you know, miss my family and thinking about the tragic circumstances. I'm like on birthdays and my family members or stuff like that. Obviously, the whole situation is terrible, right? And losing my family is obviously terrible, but I, the way I look at it, I have, so basically the, what I've lived through has been about the worst-case scenario you can imagine, right? Obviously, I've lived an extremely blessed life, and I'm not diminishing that. Those I'm saying those two bad days that I've had were the worst case scenario you could ever imagine, right? Mm-hmm. But I've had it. But I've had about. I, I've had the best case scenario of the worst case scenario. If that makes any sense. I mean, I've just had the way that we responded to it, the way that we've overcame it, the way that people have rallied around me and helped me, and the way that God has been faithful. It's like you know what people. You know, you know, people may doubt when you know bad things happen. Oh, do a server. Oh, how would a loving God let this happen? How would the you know, the God of the heavens and the earth who oh, who oh, who supposedly all things work together for good for those who love them, how would he let this happen? Yeah, you could focus on that, but it's like, and you could focus on the event, or you can just look at all the good that's come out of it. Like, so I just choose to, you know, look at the glasses half full and um, not dwell on the negatives or dwell on the, the tragedies that happen, because we all have adversity, and, you know, everyone, everyone in the world could dwell on something. And what I could dwell on may be more severe than what most people could dwell on. But yeah, just just choose to choose to be positive. Why and why not look at the glasses half full? So, well, one of those positives that has happened for you was not quite a couple of years ago when you married Abby. You were at Michigan when you met your now wife. 
So t- tell us about that and, and about Abby and what kind of influence that she's had in your life. She's incredible. She's incredible. She's the reason I'm so, you know, obviously, you know, I believe God saved my life for a reason. And I think part of that is to, you know, share, spread a message of hope and optimism and faith and, you know, resilience, things like that. But also, you know, for, I think Abby's the reason I'm still here. And she's incredible. And, yeah, I'm, we're so blessed. And, it's, you know, I mean, we're, we're you know, we're 24, tw- or I'm 25, she's 24. You know, we're young and married. Life is, life is good. Um, we have no kids yet. Um, just a little puppy who's, who's actually sitting right by me here. He's chewing on his bone. He's a good boy. But yeah, I mean, it's like, like I just, I just think about all the, the, the terrible things or the, not all the terrible things, the two terrible things that I, that I've been through. And it's like, I mean, you know what I got, I mean, the fact that I have Abby and if you guys, I think you'll understand what I mean when I say I, I outkick my coverage. Yes. Time. I'm sure you, I'm sure you both did as well. <laughs> so it's, it's so, I mean it's yeah I mean it's just like man you know yeah those two those two things that have happened super tough but man we got a lot to be thankful for so yeah she's great and we look forward forward to all that God has in store for us in the future whatever that may be hopefully that's you know a family of our own but we're just going to stay faithful and you know keep honoring Him and all that we do and the way we live so you know we have Job you know as an example from. Uh, the Bible that lived through something very similar, obviously, to what you're living through currently. And I love that God puts people in our lives at just the right time. And I think that your story has already resonated, Austin, with so many people. And I'm so thankful that you were willing to come and tell your story and, and, and talk as you did and be so open and honest about you know, what you're trying to do and what you want to accomplish and what uh, you believe God has in store for you. Because I know you are on the market uh, to be a motivational speaker all over the country, and you're available for that. And I want people to know that, that, you know, who are listening to this, that they can get you to come to an event. Is there a place, Austin, that people can go to get in touch with you to have you come and speak? Yes, yeah, so I'm actually in the process of building a website right now. Um, it should be up and running here pretty soon. But you know, I'm on I'm on social media right now, and that's probably I know that's kind of informal, um, but that's probably the best way to get in touch with me is through that. Um, just because you know the website's not quite ready yet. We're in the, you know we're using this downtime to try to get that up and running. You know, and so that we can field those requests to speak wherever. Okay, um, and make it easier for, for people to get in touch with me, but about speaking and adding value and talking about overcoming adversity, perseverance, I mean, grit, things like that. Um, yeah, you know, so I'm, um, we're, we're, we'll have the website up and running here hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, I would say social media, I'm on Twitter and um, LinkedIn currently. Um, we should have, we'll have an Instagram going here relatively soon as well um, to, to create more of a, um, you know, be able to reach more people that way. But, you know, I just, I just want to close by saying a couple of things. So I'm reminded of the story of David and Goliath, right? You know, we're all fa- you know, a lot of us are facing a Goliath of sorts, right? Obviously not a literal giant, but, you know, you know, a lot of the time the adversity we face will seem like a Goliath. It will seem like we can't overcome it. But, you know, David, when, when, he, when, when he and Goliath confronted each other, he, David ran quickly out to meet him. He didn't just go, he didn't, you know take little steps and just kind of take his time, ease his way out there. He just, he just ran after, he ran at him. 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we got to approach adversity. Sometimes you just gotta gotta take take the adversity we face head on and just run at it um, and run run quickly. Uh, to me, you know, David couldn't really take time to calculate. Yeah, you know, this guy's big, a lot bigger than me. I don't know if I have a chance to, you know, maybe take him down. But sometimes you just got to step out in faith and just go and just go and run in faith and and trust that you know we're we're doing the right thing and trust that you know God will will help us, you know, help us find a way to overcome and get the job done. The other part of that that I like too, and I love what you just said, is that David was mad at at how Goliath was talking about his God. You know, and that that fired him up too, and that got him moving, you know, quickly. And I, but I love the fact that you brought that up, and that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's great. And, and you, you know what? That we should we should take it personal when people, you know, talk badly about whether it's our God or our families or whatever. And you know, I'm not saying you got to go and take a stone and throw it at the head of someone, <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, we should get we should get a little defensive, right? The other right. story, the other story, I'm reminded of is uh, a story in, in, in Kings. Um, there were, you know, there were these four men with leprosy sitting outside the gate of this city. That, um, and they, and, they, and they, if, they would, if they stayed where they were, they were going to die. Like, 100% chance they were going to die. But then if they go into the city, they thought they'd probably die too because the people would attack them, the army would attack them. But they, they stepped in faith, they went into the city, and it turns out, God had somehow, you know, given these people, you know, some of the fear or some feeling that there was an enemy attacking them, and so they all fled, right? They had, these four men had to make an honest assessment of where they were. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go in, we're probably going to die too, but why not give it a chance? So because there's a better chance if we take the risk than there is if we stay where we are. And so I think that, like, in life, you know, a lot of the time, we just got to be willing to get uncomfortable, right? Because, like... A lot of times, getting to that place of where we're going to, where we can thrive, not just survive, metaphorically speaking, it's going to require us to get uncomfortable. And I think if we stay comfortable all the time, like I'm just saying, for me, if I stayed comfortable, didn't push the limits, I wouldn't have been able to make the comeback that I did. And obviously, I'm so grateful for all who helped me on my road to recovery and for, for the God who blessed, blessed us with all we needed to overcome the obstacle. But. Yeah, you know, I just think we gotta got to be willing to get outside our comfort zone, push the limits, um, and, yeah, step, step in faith, you know, because if we've got our faith and our trust in Him, you know, all things will work together for good. God bless you, Austin, and I pray for you and Abby that you guys will have a long, loving marriage and a house full of however many kids you want. Yeah, we, we, we hope so, too. We thank, I thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the kind words as well, and, Let's just keep keep living to honor him and um, just remembering that you know you know things are going to be tough. You know life is tough. We're going to have our experience adversity, but you know we all are. But if we have our faith and our trust in him, there's nothing, no obstacle that's too great to overcome. And you know I believe that you know God won't ever give us anything. He'll never test us beyond our strength. My thanks to Austin Hatch for being a part of this podcast. Please give us a five-star rating and download this podcast and others available on Podbean at Suit Up 611.